0: Another edition of Packy Chat, episode 21. This week we got together to talk about geriatrics and geriatric care and end-of-life discussion and nothing really fun. Thanks to uh, a couple people that made that suggestion for us to talk about. Thanks to everybody that likes, listens, follows us. But even more, thanks so much for the people that uh, send us topics and things to discuss, whether it's uh, via email or through Facebook Messenger let us know if there's things you guys want to hear. Also, I want to take a quick chance to thank uh, some of our highest patrons. We have, again, if you don't uh, know what our patrons are in Patreon, you can check out patreon.com backslash Packy And it's just a way to show your support through a donation to help us pay for the cost to keep this Pecky Chat podcast going. But anyways, we have three top patrons, Cecil, Kristen, And Glenn, I want to give a shout out to them and thanks so much for your support. Uh, It means a lot to us and kind of keeps us going. For everybody else that does not support us, that's cool. We appreciate you guys too. Just keep listening and uh, you want to show your support, tell a friend, get somebody else on here to listen. So, again, this week we are talking about uh, geriatrics and geriatric care. So, enough of me babbling on, let's get to it.
1: We talk about geriatric care and stuff like that, but if you had to. You know, ask everybody, you know, at what age is an elephant geriatric? I and mean, that's a that's a tough answer to say. Or you know, I remember um Ellen Wiener talking a lot about that. And anybody remember the, the ages that she was thinking that we would call an elephant geriatric? Was it for Africans in their in their mid thirties or something?
2: It's, I right. it's at around thirty. Yeah.
1: Um. you know, so so it's it's interesting for me is that you know we could you could put a, a number on it doesn't really matter but besides a number to give us an idea what what do you look for in your elephant to say okay you know besides the age what are we looking at to say well i think this elephant would qualify for geriatric care what are some of the telltale signs do you think that they're moving into that phase of their life
2: well, yeah i i think it's not necessarily an age as it is like physical ability and 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 foot care and, you know, all of that kind of thing. So, you know, you could have an elephant that's 25 years old that has, you know, severe arthritis, that's a geriatric elephant. Um, so I don't necessarily look at age. I look at mobility and health problems and different things like that. Um, so that's just kind of my opinion from that first question. Obviously, once you hit a certain age, I, but I don't know what that age would be, you know, I mean, you look at humans, some people are really fit when they're 50 and some people aren't, you know, and, and uh, so I, I, I think it's not about an age, it's about their health and, and how they're doing, you know. I
0: don't know. Yeah, I, I agree with that too. And I think, I think we're going to see that age, at least I hope we do. I think we see that age changing, you know, elephants that are in their 40s and 50s now, while well, yes, that's geriatric. Uh, by by pretty much any standard you know a lot of them have been brought up in a pretty rough life you know shitty exhibits shitty housing shitty stalls lack of exercise living on concrete uh, not moving uh, swaying all the time you know and I that really takes a toll I think on on some of these animals especially I know we have an elephant that's in her 50s um, that is definitely geriatric. She's got arthritis. She has, uh, some issues. She moves slow. There's some days are better than others and how she moves. And then we have, uh, an elephant that's even older than her, a male that moves fantastic. I mean, if you saw the two walk next to each other, you'd never believe that, uh, you know, he was older than her by, by four or five years. Um, he just looks better. He carries it better. Uh, and he gets around better. Why? I don't know, but you know, I think like it was already said, everybody's a little different. You know, we've radiographed the, the 50 plus year old female. Uh, you can see arthritis and you can see her joints um, are starting to look kind of crappy. But then I've seen elephant radiographs of elephants that were half their age that whose joints look pretty similar. And, and like I said, hopefully the elephants that are being born now, we're not going to see a lot of this stuff until they're much older. And we can definitely put an age of saying geriatric is, you know, in their forties because we know they're going to live into their late fifties, and and we they're not going to have the joint issues that they have now, and the foot problems they that we see in some of these elephants of the same age now. So hopefully that's true. I guess time will tell.
1: Elephants oh, so I looked after as well. You know, they're in their um, beginning of my career. You know, you start off and you maybe have like a thirty year old elephant or, or even in in its early to mid twenties. And like you said what kind of life they had and a lot of us that start you know it's very rare that we're there with an elephant from start to finish you know for 30 or 40 years there's only a handful of people i think they have the privilege privilege to be able to say that at all so really you can sit there and scratch your head you know what you now what caused this you know was it an injury was it just wear and tear over the years and stuff like that and sometimes you know it really doesn't matter what caused it and i, and I think it's a really good point you're saying that there'll be another you know, several decades till we start seeing some evidence that some of the changes that we've made in their care have actually equated or, or really, you know, shown itself to equal a longer, uh, a longer life or less problems at different ages. You know, um, you know, I think the biggest, you know, question people say, "I have this problem now. What, what can I do?" So I think there's, you know, a big question is about what are some of the proactive things that we can do to help mitigate some of these issues and what are some more of the reactive issues? I think we start tackling about maybe more of the reactive things. You know, what's the two things I think I hear the most is the elephants are having trouble with their mobility or they're having trouble with eating. You know, what else are some of the things that you guys have come across that at least are some of the symptoms that we see that would be, let's say that's because of geriatric elephant. and maybe we can talk a little bit about how we can... Um, reactive to all things
2: well i mean obviously i think as they get older you see more foot issues uh more chronic foot issues and then i also think you know something that you know people don't think about but as they as they age and a lot of these elephants that you know haven't bred in 20 30 years then they have a lot of reproductive issues that um that you know kind of go unnoticed but that's part of it as well you know we 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 do different things for animals because they, they didn't, they never reproduce. So they have myomas or, you know, cysts and polyps and all of that good stuff um, that, that you, you, you need to treat, or you need to ultrasound, or, um, you know, you need to flush out because it gets infected. And, you know, so things like that, that you, that you normally wouldn't think of with a younger animal that just gets amplified because of, an older animal or how they were kept if they, you know like I was saying if they were on concrete you know they might be more prone to foot abscesses later on in life versus nowadays you know you know none of us really keep animals on concrete longer than what we need to you know um, so yeah I just think you know it's just, it's just a lot of that stuff gets amplified and it's a lot of times it's things that you wouldn't even think about and that's why I brought up the reproductive thing
0: you know I think something we You know, laying down, you'll see elephants that'll stop laying down and finding ways to make it comfortable that they can get adequate rest and get some weight off of their limbs and off of their heads. Like I've heard of places given like chin rests so that an elephant can take the weight off of their legs and still get a decent night's sleep. You know, we take one stall and pile up sand against a wall um, and we can see, you know, that that elephant uses it to sleep. And we've come to a point now where someone on the team is monitoring. You know how much they're laying on each side, and how frequently and how long they're actually sleeping laying down. Um, and <laughs> for us some of that depends also I do believe that of who's in the barn, even though they, they each have their own stall. Um, you know, What elephants are in the barn tells you know how long this elephant she's the matriarch of our group how long she lays down, and what, whatnot. But anyways, we keep tr- track of all that. Um, But laying down and then I've never run into this problem, but I certainly know people that have and I think we're getting close to with our 55 year old and that's uh, teeth. You know, what do you do with with getting nutrition in them when their teeth uh, are gone? You know, we buy a shredded hay and I forget the name of it, but it comes bagged like uh, like wood shavings and it's super soft shredded hay that uh, he seems to like. But the other elephants, cause they don't get it. It's like crack to them. They'll suck it off the ground and off his back and all that stuff. So yeah, the feet issues laying down the repro stuff was mentioned. Uh, and there's nothing, you know, I think with feet, you can do stuff to to help them changing substrate, doing different things to their feet uh, with the, the sleeping, you can do things to take weight off their legs and still give them a good night's sleep. And uh, with their teeth, you know, there's ways to get nutrition in them, but repro stuff, you know, uh, there's not a whole lot you can do about it. So, uh, you know, that's more of a question for like a, uh, Wendy or Dennis, but, you know, I've had elephants, older elephants in my career that were never bred. They were older and they were always passing the big bloody discharge in their urine. I forget what they're called now. Maybe they were lyomyomas or, or cysts or something. I forget. Um, and almost all those elephants when we did, uh, necropsy after they passed away had some sort of, reproductive issues, whether it's uh, you know, large uterine tumors or things like that. So the other things, it seems like we can do things to at least comfort them and make them a little better. If these, if repro issues cause discomfort, I don't know, you know, that's out of my, that's out of my wheelhouse to know what we could do for that.
1: Oh uh, yeah, that's a good point about buying the hay. You know, luckily I've never had to shred or chop hay I heard it's described as being a really good job for an intern or your part-time people because it's probably a pretty uh, dusty job. I also heard about, um, of course, you have to change maybe their grain or their pellets that they're eating or soaking or something like that, but definitely getting, uh, changing the, you know, how how much mechanical work they have to do that. You know, you mentioned something interesting about the, um, you know, helping them get up and down. So you can imagine that, you know, I'm 50, so I get it. No, I do the old man creek up and down sometimes when I'm going. And sometimes it gets to a point where you're deciding whether it's worth lying down or not. But the social aspect that you said is that, um, you know, depending on how long they'll be down for, depending on who's the barn. You think it might be, it's an interesting thing to think about. It's like we always want to try to set our elephants up for success. Is it good to set up a social situation that, Kind of set things up so that when they do have an opportunity to rest, um, they can take full advantage, as opposed to not having maybe a feisty elephant next to them or one that they feel like they have to keep one eye on. That's interesting. Um, is that something, you know, you thought? I think now I would, you know, if I'm in a situation, I would really start considering that.
0: I think it's definitely something to consider, and I think in our case, and again, I don't know this for sure. It's been a while since I've went over the data with with. Um, the people that are taking, that are collecting it. Uh, but I think it has to do with like just young, rambunctious, obnoxious elephants in the barn that kind of cause a ruckus, you know, and don't let you sleep. I think, um, you know, she's at a point now and she knows she's in a stall where no other elephants are going to um, bother. Her. So that's all I, that's all I can think of, but uh, you know, it de- it's definitely worthwhile to set them up to get the best rest they can you know, we had, it was, it was funny. We had an elephant that was um, having issues uh, laying down and sleeping. Uh, She went down in the yard, couldn't get up. She's kind of lame on one, one side and she's, she's not geriatric, you know, age wise, you wouldn't think she's geriatric, uh, but she has some, she has some uh, mobility issues. And it was funny because we built a big stall and she has a a calf with her, a two-year-old or three-year-old calf at the time. And we built this big mound and put her in there. So she'd hopefully lay down and get some rest and every time she tried to lay down that little rat would, would weasel in on the mound and sleep sleep under her and then she'd she'd go you know sleep somewhere else or lay somewhere else. So little little you can do when you got a you know a little rug rat running around with you.
2: Yeah and and we have an older female that uh, that's in our big group and Asia is her name. And so what we will do is um Every few nights, every third night you know it, it's not necessarily on a schedule, but we we you know we let her have her own time to eat her own uh hay overnight or during the day we'll separate her from the group you know, and just so we make sure that we know what she's intaking um, as well as kind of giving her that rest to, like you said away from a bunch of little ones that are going crazy and full of energy, and she just wants to hang out and sleep so um, sometimes we'll fit our schedule we're where she can go have her alone time for three or four hours and eat a bale of hay and kind of relax and uh, lay down if she wants to. And then we can put her back in with the group anytime. So I think that's part of it as well as just knowing your elephants and which we all do, right? Um, but kind of fitting their schedule to what their needs are as well. Um, kind of leading into another question, If we, what do you guys do as far as like, once you see a geriatric animal, as far as quality of life assessments, welfare assessments, what does that look like for your zoos? And uh, how do you, you know, what's that process like? And how do you implement that? I think that's a big part of geriatric care. You know, we talk about it a lot as the end care that people are very hesitant to talk about. But, you know, we all work in a business where it happens. And, uh, you know, how do you prepare for that? And, and what does that look like? And how do you make those tough decisions, you know? And I'm, yeah. not, I'm not even saying quality of life, has to be go down that road. You know what I mean? You may be doing quality of life on a geriatric elephant and the quality of life may go up because you're doing those assessments or, you know, that kind of thing. So again, everybody sees these quality of lives as a way to justify euthanasia, but I see them as a way to, you know, heighten the quality of life for the animal. Um, But again, we're just starting to implement all of that stuff here um, because it's a brand new program. But so I'd love to hear what you guys have to say about that.
1: You know, it's, this is, uh, this is interesting that the kind of the approach we're taking on this. I thought when we started talking about this topic, you know, people are going to want to hear more about, well, what exercises do you do and, and stuff? What do you do with your elephants? But I find it interesting that right now we're, we're talking about things outside of what you do exactly with the elephant. And I think it's important to realize it's just as important. Um, you know, like you said about this welfare quality of life stuff, you know, we've all heard the sayings before, make sure that their last day is not their worst day and all that kind of stuff. Or, you know, for us, um, we started instituting, instituting for about a year now, a pretty intensive welfare program. Um, So every animal gets assessed at least every single year. But anytime you can add more assessments. And then when you start getting a a pattern of your assessments, you, you see their scores change let's say they're going down the lower score let's say means that there are more concerns we have it set up to certain tiers you know the certain score it's like a tier four and there may be no action as we take and as we go down to tier three two or one there is more responsibility on the teams like some of the actions there has to be a team meeting within x amount of days there has to be a plan executed after X amount of days. There has to be an assessment done after X amount of days. So when you start getting a certain score, you start putting accountability on to make sure that you are continuing watching that animal. When we get us to a certain score, we then switch over not only to welfare assessments, we have a quality of life um, assessment. And that's a different form. And then within our, our meetings that we look and we decide how often do you have to do the quality of life? Um, sometimes it'd be monthly, sometimes it's three times a year, sometimes it's, it's weekly depending on the situation. But as you see those scores go down, it kind of gives you a quantitative thing to say this, num- this animal is decreasing in our assessment of what we think their quality of life is. And I find that that allows um, the decisions to be less emotional. We're always going to have some emotion attached to it. But when you start seeing numbers and you start looking at questions and things like that, I think it makes those decisions a lot easier to make that hard call because I know for myself, um, I've had elephants in my career that after, you know, the knee crops here, the post-mortem, um, you find out, let's say how bad it is. And then one way it's a relief saying, wow, I made the right choice. And then right away, I think, damn, how long has this elephant been like that for? And I think that I've never, you know, I know it's getting a little more of it right now, but I've never really made a decision to euthanize an animal and say, boy, that was a little earlier than than it should have been. I've never had that. It's always been, wow, how long has it been? So I think it's really important that we think about this geriatric stage or whenever we deem that, we start seeing our welfare assessments going down to really kick it into that gear that we need to um, really start doing some um, quantitative measurements.
0: I mean, we do something similar, but to to your point about, uh, you know, never, I know in my whole career, I've never euthanized an animal and then thought to myself, uh, uh, I should have waited. I mean, I've been lucky and, I, and I'm pretty quick to pull the, tri- the trigger at, at um, you know, I, I, I understand, um, you know, that we often keep animals alive and do things because it makes us feel better. Um, so, you know, I'm generally the person in the group that's talking about, now, I'm going to say this first, I've never had this discussion about an elephant yet, and I have a couple getting up there in age, it's always been other animals, clipstock, uh, carnivores, uh, whatever, things like that. Um, and I've never really, you know, had a problem making the decision to, to pull the trigger on one of those animals and I agree, I've never said, oh, I was, you know, we did that too soon. You know, the other thing, you know, when you see when you see necropsy and, and you see how much, you know, what deterioration they might have in joints. And we always think to ourselves, you know, I wonder how long it was like this or should we have gone sooner? The thing that, that makes me feel better about that is knowing that as humans, we're such a pathetic species when it comes to pain and watching animals deal with stuff We had a kudu that break its horn off to the point where you could see the corner of the eye socket. The the skin was all ripped down. The Thing was eating and walking and carrying on business like it was no big deal. So you know, while the while necropsy, some things we see often look bad. You wonder really kind of pain they're they really are in. You know, I mean, they're. I just don't know. It looks bad to us, but you know, sometimes a hang a hangnail's bad. You know, it hurts. It hurts. I, I, I agree with everything about, you know, making the decision to lay down because you got to get back up at 50 years old. I get all that stuff, um, but I don't, I just don't know what they go through, you know, and I think the best way for us to gauge that is by, you know, how they interact with other animals, um, how they lay down and get up, are they eating, you know, how they move for, for their own care, especially when you're talking about elephants, all that stuff is is how i gauge their comfort level um the welfare assessments yeah i think they're kind of you know i think they're useful and i agree that you know it's a great way to look at it where you're not just talking about judging judging the the death time or the timeline of death um with them but to you know do things to make their lives better at, at, at any age we increase our uh welfare checks you know on the older elephants or when elephants um have some sort of issues we do them more frequently other than that i think it's about quarterly for us to do them and you know at first i always thought welfare was just so subjective um but i i kind of like excuse me i kind of like the way it's going um i like the idea we only have a handful of questions maybe eight or not even eight questions that we look at to make the decisions on on how we rate welfare but the thing for staff i think to understand is that a negative welfare score on one of the can- one of the one or two of the categories or even overall poor welfare score isn't necessarily a bad thing it just means that we have to do our job harder to try to get that score up and try to do things to change it you know in the beginning people i found that team members not necessarily an elephants but some of the other teams were a little reluctant to score poorly they definitely tried everything they could to to make an excuse to give a favorable score until they realize that it's all right to have a negative score. Um, We just have to do things better to try to change that, to improve their welfare.
1: Yeah, fudging the score is not helping the animal at all. You know, before I um, had a facility or, you know, back in the day before welfare was starting to get more formalized in our industry, um, I read an article um, that he was talking about his dog, and um he was struggling to decide when when it was time for his dog and the thing that kind of pulled the trigger for him is that this dog loved this red ball and one day he rolled the red ball in front of this dog the dog didn't move so that clicked for him because that red ball to him defined of who that dog was so when i read that article i started looking at things differently is that without a formalized um you know, system or anything like that, I kind of either made a physical or a mental list of who I thought that elephant was. I worked with one elephant that was the most, um, definitely the most dominant one, shaping that dominant bigger than that herd for, for, um, for decades, for over, over 25 years. And nothing would happen with that, nothing would happen in that area if it wasn't her doing it or her letting it happen. Um, so I got a good idea of who this elephant was and I was kind of writing things down and for me I was um, watching this elephant and she would go out into the exhibit and we had a rubbing post that was kind of cut off around chin level and she would um, rest her tusk on it. It was like taking weight off her front legs. We knew she had some um, front leg issues. She'd come over and she would eat. Um, And I worked with a a keeper one time, you know, his famous line was, there is no elephant heaven. And his definition was, as long as the elephant was basically eating and being amongst the herd, that was his definition. But for me, it was when I saw two elephants starting to um, cause some ruckus and started to spar that elephant didn't even move its head and move its ear. That wasn't who she was. That to me uh, was a, a telltale moment that I didn't, I didn't have a score. I didn't have anything like that. But since I went and kind of, you know, said who this elephant was, was he just manages the herd. And I saw something happen with that in the herd and she wasn't managing. That was a telltale sign for me. And from that day on, um, yeah, I I kind of lobbied for us to, to make the next steps. But I think even without a formalized um, program, anything like that, I would encourage people to, to like we all, we always say, you know, Nick can say a lot, we know our elephants the best. Write down exactly what makes that elephant, who they are and why we think that. And when we start seeing them react differently to things that we know, was important to them. That should really help start that, at least start that conversation. If it hasn't started, or maybe help end the conversation.
0: You know, it again, you know, documentation is going to tell the story of what we need to do. As someone that's been in this business a long time, and every time I talk about documentation for training or whatnot, I always talk about my lack of it. Um, but yet, it constantly is is brought up that you know, you run into a problem with training, uh, new behavioral behavior, aggression, um, you name it. It's the documentation and looking back and compiling documentation that dictates kind of how you move forward and how you overcome the hurdles. And hearing you say that is so true. Um, It's so true with dealing with geriatrics and especially end of life stuff. Um, It's so easy to create a new norm, you know, if, if, if elephant X was was hovering we'll just throw numbers out there which we'll just say it was an eight and and now the new norm is a is a six if that elephant drops to a four or five that's a big deal now this is big gap but for the last several months we've just accepted the fact that she's a six elephant and, I, and again i'm throwing numbers out just because people listening to this can't see my hand gestures and can't see where i'm where i'm laying the my graph on and hands but so you know, we, we start to to say that um, we make excuses because, oh, you know, this elephant's great. She's been this way for a while. Well, keep in mind that she's been this way for a while because she's declined from where she used to be. So it just keeps getting worse. And having that documentation is definitely something to go back to and something measurable where you can at least put your finger on it and and have something quantitative to make a decision going forward.
1: Yeah, I don't think anybody could see your air quotes around the six elephant. The last thing I got, I I guess, on the topic of kind of looking, you know, at management, the program type thing is that um, when we get these older elephants and we're gonna start talking about some of the things that we may have to do with them, it's it's a no brainer the amount of time that it takes. And I think as managers in our facilities, we look at, um, and we all have, if we've had older elephants, you realize how much time they take. And it comes at a cost. It comes at a cost of usually the other elephants that you're looking after as well because you, we all know you have only so many hours in a day. And sometimes I've in the past felt guilty that when an elephant does pass on, it's like a huge weight off your shoulder. Not. not Besides whether it's the best thing for the elf or anything like that, is that now you can start looking after and you have also had all this more time on the, on your hands to look after them. So I think it's good to be looking out is that if you have certain animals that you're starting to see um, issues coming early on, or if it is just uh, like everything's going great, but you know they are getting up there in age, so it's only a matter of time to realize that the amount of resources may take, may go higher. You know, it's same old, same old, right? Who takes. It takes most of the resources, the babies and the old ones, you know, for that. And I see that sometimes if you're going to get baby elephants, some institutions are, are kind of on the ball more saying, okay, we need to bring some more people and look after these babies. Not all of them, I know that, but some of them are looking to do that. Sometimes the same picture, we have to look at that we're getting an elderly herd as well. Um, it will take more time and it will take more resources to look after them.
2: Geriatric care for me, it's, it's probably the hardest of, if you look, if you, if you clumped elephants or animals in general, and, you know, into their three phases of life, you know, um, young, medium, and geriatric, (laughs) um, it's by far the toughest, you know, it's, it's an every day is a problem, you know, there's, there's something going on with those animals every single day. So it is a time commitment. It's a big staff commitment. And I, I think it's funny because sometimes you'll Go to some places and they'll have you know say three older elephants or whatever and they'll be like oh well we don't need that many people because you know they're old they're old ladies you know there is no big deal but when actually those might be the programs that need more people because you're you are spending so much time with the animals and there's so much intensive care that goes on um, and focused care on 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 issues that you know uh a normal elephant wouldn't have
0: you know, that's a good point about. I never thought about it, but you're absolutely right that that age group is definitely the most the biggest time suck and sometimes the most challenging. You know, you got young elephants are sponges. I mean, one even before they learn, they're just super cool to watch and they're entertaining and they're, you know, they make you laugh and they they do whatever. You know, the 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 how what was your reference for the middle the middle group? I don't know, young, middle and uh. old. so the uh, the middle age age group hopefully hopefully they're well established and you know they're fun to train and uh they have a routine down and they're kind of on autopilot you know for a lot of stuff they know all the components and you know you're just teaching them and learning kind of almost insignificant behaviors because i would hope a middle-aged elephant has the components under their belt already and then you get to those older elephants, and yes, they know that stuff, um, and they're responsive. But some of the ones that I've cared for just don't. There's little to motivate. They don't move great. They move slow. Uh, you know, there's things that they just physically can't do anymore. Um, you know, we still try to push them to do that because I think the more we, the more they move, and the the more they do, the the better off they're going to be. But Sometimes they just reach a point, some of them where they just can't anymore and uh, and yeah, they kind of are uh, they take a lot of time to take care of for that reason,
2: yeah, and I mean simply like just take a nail app ab- a, a nail abscess or what you know a foot issue or whatever, where you know you have a younger elephant, it might heal in a month, whereas you know some of these geriatric you're dealing with it, you might be dealing with it for five years, you know, and I, again that those are those dragging issues that you know people that take care of older elephants that it's just an ongoing constant you know you're constantly grinding to try to stay ahead of the everyday problems of taking care of older elephants
0: right i mean i guess we'll go back to the beginning a little bit so what do you guys do what have you done to be successful to make older elephants more comfortable um healthier and improve their welfare or whatnot
1: well, you know, for me, I guess um, if the first herd I worked with, um, we didn't start doing this till till they're a little bit older, but um, we wanted to. In the herd I work with right now, they're they're pretty young, and we started right now. Is that we look at these middle-aged elephants, and we think that um, it's. well um, oh, they move around pretty good. They're pretty flexible. It's not really much of a problem. Um, but we still put them on an exercise regime and we stretch them. you know if if you want to say you know an elephant that's in its you know late teens or early 20s that that's you know a young elephant, let's say that's pretty mobile. Um, and say they get to like a level six on the stretching or something like that, so that's pretty good. We, we try to get them to a level seven and, and challenge them. And if we get into this daily grind of this exercise, right now, um, I think is beneficial for them for their whole life. So I, it's never too early to start. Um, you know, like, I look at my kids, my, you know, my kids are, you know, early teens or um, coming up to teens. Um, that's important, you can look at those kids and say, well, you know, they may not need as much exercise as, as their dad, that's for sure. But, you know, you start establishing that, that routine early on, and you're exercising them several times a week or anything like that, um, I think that is a proactive thing and can help stave off some of those issues. So even though you got young elephants right now, don't wait until you start seeing problems. Say, oh, we we better put this elephant on an exercise program right now because we're starting to see some issues. Um, They do it now and it'll only benefit from them. And I I think I can say that because I was worked at a facility that had their elephants that are, they would be considered geriatric when it came to um, number-wise. And um, we weren't starting to see some problems. But unfortunately, they were going to be have to be moved a very long distance. What we did is we started a pretty intensive exercise program because we were worried about how well they would travel for such a long distance and for a long time being in a crate. And over a, a relatively short period of time, it was amazing. But I would say I seen I saw the animals getting stronger. For, a of, for lack of a better word, they're more fit and they're more flexible. And I think that contributed to help them moving across. So it's amazing that even, um, you know, in a short period of time, you'd see an elephant do an exercise, uh, at the beginning, you see their legs shaking and um, they're for sure a child being challenged. But it's amazing just like when, you know, if we're an exercise program, we start doing, we start seeing that things that used to be harder are not as hard. We can raise that criteria. So, for me, anyway, I think one of the most important things is getting on that, a lack of better word, being more fit and um, flexibility, and maintaining that range of motions and strength training behaviors.
2: Yeah, and what you know, we say this all the time at PEM, but the the thing that goes hand in hand with that is is the right diet too. You know, if you have a 15-year-old elephant and she's morbidly obese like a lot of the animals in our population are quite frankly then when she's 45 years old she's going to have arthritis she's going to have issues you know foot issues and all of these things because we weren't proactive when she was 15 years old and we fed her marshmallows and peppermints and you know whatever we, what candy we had in the office that day you know for a blood draw or whatever it's <laughs> you know um, and so you know part of that that goes hand in hand with, with the exercises is the weights. And and what can we do to make sure that all of our elephants don't look like Dumbo. They look like an elephant, what they look like, what an elephant should look like. And again, that's going to help those problems year in and year out throughout their entire life.
0: You know, the, the flexibility thing, I think the Albuquerque EMA conference where we saw those guys doing all the exercises with the elephants and PC. And that, I think that was the first time a lot of people, and the, and the business saw a way to really exercise and stretch elephants in um, protect contact. You know, uh, free contact was easy. You know, you walk them and it, it's pretty easy to, to put some miles on. But one of the biggest things was how to truly exercise an elephant in PC without just dumping, you know, they walk 10 steps and you throw a banana and they walk 10 steps and you give them some bread and they, you know, they lift a foot four inches and you give them more bread. Uh, you know i think now a lot of places have these great exercise programs and um, i don't know if they're exercising the true sense of getting heart rate up and uh, increasing respiration and all that but they definitely from the flexibility standpoint i've seen huge things huge changes in uh, our elephants especially the geriatric ones um, you know to do those those extra those uh, stretching type behaviors lifting feet forward and backwards and really high and kind of pushing them uh like like was said earlier you know you see them lift a foot maybe waist high or chest high and they shake a little bit um because they've never lifted their foot that high and before you know it the foot's over your head and they're holding it no problem and it certainly can only be beneficial i remember years ago going someplace uh to a place to to help out uh, a program and we went in and watched elephants work and you know, they barely lifted their foot, a foot off the ground. And the, you know, the excuse was, well, she's old, you know, she, she's old and she shouldn't have to lift it higher. And, you know, I would argue that she's old and she should have to lift it as high as 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 she can or as high as, you know, uh, we can get her to do it uh, because you're only I think it's a detriment to them if we don't push them. You know, if we let them be lazy, they're gonna they're gonna be lazy. If we if we push them and try to help them uh, move better and be more flexible, they're they're definitely gonna be better off.
1: You know, I think that's a good point. I think that all of us maybe witnessed it or heard about the people that go to the gym and they spend more time walking around, chatting to people with their water bottle, and maybe throw a couple sets here and there, and they came back, yeah, I was just at the gym for an hour, right? So everybody thinks, oh, that's awesome, lucky just worked out. But um, it's the fact that them challenging themselves, you know, is uh, is important. You know, I can I weigh my arms around, that's great. But I don't want you just saying you're doing it. I've seen some elephants, like you said, just go through the motions and they're happy because they um, just did it, but the elephant really wasn't challenged. And again, going back to documentation, you know, um, we have um, for like our Our stretches we have obviously slots where we put the bars so it's easy to measure how high they're lifting their foot and holding it on a bar for a full minute to stretch that's easy if we're doing leg lifts we put a whole bunch of marks along uh, up and down the bollard so we know this elephant's like at level six for 10 seconds or whatever like that and that has to be measured and documented to make sure that you know it you know and then all of a sudden you got hey we're at number six and elephant's throwing it up there for 10 seconds and looks like it's not doing anything at all. And we they say, well, time to increase the time it's holding up for or increasing the criteria with the height or something like that. But yeah, good point. You need to see that elephant being challenged in order to gain the benefits from that. Whereas like that that dude that's just walking around with a towel over his shoulder.
0: We, we just started um, doing some uh, acupuncture and massage with a couple of our older elephants and I wasn't real sold on the acupuncture at first uh, for one. I don't know a lot about it. Um, uh, but the, the lady that came in to do it, that's, that's what she does. She does uh, massage and acupuncture and uh, that type of therapy for horses, cats, dogs, whatever. Uh, so we started come, she started coming in to do a couple of our elephants, one, the, the, the geriatric female I talked about, and then to the one that had the, the, injury to her leg when she was younger and she has kind of a, a deformity in her front left leg um, and you can see some atrophy in the muscles on that side a little bit so we brought her in and um, she says she sees oh to step back also she does other species at the zoo she does uh, some great apes she does some carnivores some hoofstock. she does everything actually but she says and, and sort of the curators that uh, when she goes in to do like chimps especially and they see her When they see her come in, they come in and literally like gesture, like lady right here, you know, feeling it in my shoulder today and tap her wherever and back up to it. Uh, There's carnivores that we have that aren't aren't the most social and she uses laser acupuncture too, which I don't know a lot about it, but to me it looks like a laser pointer, (laughs) but it's doing something. Uh, It doesn't have to have the contact of of the the same as the needles Um, and these cats that are normally not that social are coming over and participating in this, uh, in these behaviors. So we started doing it with the elephants. We haven't seen a whole lot of change yet because uh, not long after we were into it, maybe four or five months and then COVID came and she stopped coming to the zoo and whatnot. But um, you can see, you can see the the needles, she's putting the acupuncture needles in, you can see the needles moving like they should and, and they come out all bent, which, she tells me has to do with how the muscles are. Once the muscles are starting to heal and fight it, they actually push the needles out. Uh, but the massage is something different. The massage originally we started with rolling pins on different muscles, and then we just moved to one of those Thera guns, like the massage guns. You know, time will tell if it makes a difference. But uh, after two or three days of us doing it and the elephants being, eh, we're not too real keen, not real keen of uh, participating uh today was the first day that we turned it on and you know the old lady was like yeah bring it and kind of stuck around for the whole the whole session um so time will tell if stuff like that will benefit them like it benefits people
1: so yeah we talked about uh um, you know proactive the exercise part stuff like that um i don't know i'm trying to think Right now, nothing's really jumping in my mind. It's about something else, about really being proactive than what I've um, I've done. Touching the diet, of course, that goes hand in hand with the the exercise. Yeah. I don't know what else. Anything else come to mind for you guys?
0: I mean, I think we're being proactive now in how we care for them in general. We know softer mm-hmm. substrate is the way to go. Um, you know, trying to not uh, keep them in confined spaces. You know, whether it's stalls or on restraints for prolonged periods of time, and letting them kind of move more we're trying to build bigger bigger uh, habitats for them whether they use it or not but more movement I mean all that stuff I think is proactive in the sense that you know like I said earlier hopefully these little ones that are born in our care uh, are set up to be more successful and healthier down the road than some of the ones we've imported thank you for once again listening to this edition of Packy Chat appreciate you taking the time to listen to us again Packy Chat's all about just conversation. Take things you heard, uh, things that might work for you, and use them. That's great. Things you don't agree with, well, that's okay, too. We're not here to tell you there's one way to do it. We're just here to start conversation and have some thought. Once again, thanks a lot for listening to Packy Chat. We appreciate you listening.